This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying your holiday season, spending time with your family and friends, enjoying your time with everybody. I've been having a good time. I had my 65th birthday yesterday, so I'm officially a senior citizen now and enjoying spending some time with some friends, going to be with family this week, and uh, looking forward to this type of season, time of season every year since my birthday falls in the middle of it. But uh, hope everybody's enjoying some time, some time off from work, some time relaxing, enjoying family and friends, and getting fired up for the new year, getting ready to go for 2020, another decade, and another uh, year of being on the radio. I'm excited about what I do here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, our show's syndicated. We're on a number of cities around the country, and shows are podcasted, and a lot of people are listening to the podcast I'm finding out now, which is exciting to know. Getting a lot of uh, emails from people back about the interviews I'm doing now, because we're spending a lot of time interviewing people and talking about the whole mental aspect of, of sports and life, for that matter. It goes across the board. You know, I've been working as a sports psychologist. I'm in my 39th year. It's my 28th year on radio, 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, and um, I love doing this show every week because we get into discussions and topics about success and failure. What makes a team, an individual, successful? What are the qualities or aspects of somebody that results in them failing? We get into that every week, talk about that on this show. And after our first break today, we're going to be having a guest on. His name is Mark Greenberg. He's the owner and founder of Elevated Leadership. And he delivers training, coaching, and strategic planning to teams looking for a unique perspective on leadership, development, engagement, and motivation. We're going to talk with Mark about leadership. We're going to talk about the work he does with teams. He has an extensive family background in camps. He's worked with kids for forever. And we're going to talk about this because, you know, this show is about success. It's about dealing with failure, how to overcome adversity. And last week we had a, a wonderful show. I interviewed Dr. Gretchen Kerr from the University of Toronto about a study she's done on athlete abuse and maltreatment of athletes. And I've had a lot of feedback this week from that interview and also from a call we had last week. Very interesting caller, a guy named John called about kids, and as he described it, kids being soft. And we had an interesting conversation with him saying the kids need to be mentally tough. So 
last week's show was 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 uh, very popular with a lot of people. If you want to listen to it, go to our podcast page here on Sports Radio 10 WB or my winner, Winners Unlimited website or find me on SoundCloud, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Anyway, we get into success. You know, we're in the college football playoff time. It's the last week of the NFL. The playoffs are beginning next week, and there's a lot going on. You've got college sports in full swing. After the break, of course, college basketball will be going, you know, full speed ahead. Lots of exciting games will be coming up. What is leadership about? What is success and failure about? That's what I want to get into on this show. You know, I've, I've worked with so many people throughout my career, so many teams from the professional Olympic level all the way down to youth sports. And, of course, everybody, you know, I would think most everybody wants to succeed. I'm sure there are some people who want to fail. They don't want to succeed. They don't want to be the best. They're scared of it. They're hesitant of it. But what are the qualities of success? You know, this show, I try to talk about different things every week to help you improve your life, improve yourself, and and look at performance. You know, and I got an email this week. Can you do the things you talk about in sports apply to life? Well, yeah, they do, obviously. And I've talked so much about my philosophy I, I have about pre- preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence called PFAC, P-F-A-C. My good friend Jacob Liker out in Los Angeles came up with those. Those initially said, Doc, that, that's PFAC, P-F-A-C. And talked to his soccer team about it, and I've used that forever. Preparation's about how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally, not just for your tennis match or your football game, but for the speech you're going to give. How do you mentally get ready to do what you're going to do? Focus is about the ability to concentrate on the task at hand, what you want to do. How do you focus? And what are the distractions that get in the way of that? That takes us to attitude. Attitudes, you know, how do you feel about it? I always say there are three kinds of attitudes, positive, negative, and realistic. And to me, a a positive, realistic attitude is really the key to being successful. If you're positive... You know, you're going to look on the bright side. If you're realistic, you're going to be aware things are going to go wrong. You've got to have a way to handle that, a way to deal with that. You know, negativity is everywhere. All you have to do is turn on the news every day. There's always negativity out there, especially in the political arena, and that translates down to everybody else. I know so many people tell me they're so sick and tired of all the political hostility that goes on, and, and I am too, quite frankly. You know, it's like, why can't people get along? Why can't people relate show respect to each other. And that, that translates down across the board. And then that takes us to, fo- to, to excuse me, to confidence. Confidence is the, is the sort of the foundation of all of it. Confidence is the ability to believe in yourself. What does it take to believe in yourself? Well, to me, it's about looking at the big picture. It's about looking at communication. And I was having a conversation the other day with a coach about his team and he said you know doc one of the things i'm frustrated with is is people don't listen to me i don't feel they're hearing what i'm saying and i said well how do you how do you communicate with them well we have it's a it's a high school team and he said you know i tell them what i'm thinking all the time i said well let me let me ask you do you ask them how they're feeling you ask them what they're thinking and then there was silence and then he said you know i i don't I really don't do that. I'm always talking at them. I said, well, that's that's 
part of the issue to me. Talking at them or talking with them. You know, what's the difference? So I think one of the key things to being successful is, is the ability to communicate and, you know, being a good listener, you know, being a, a good expresser, but also taking the time to listen to what your athletes, your team, your cohorts are saying. You know, if you're a coach, I always tell people, have somebody you, who, an assistant that you can bounce ideas off of. And one of the things I found with so many people in in the world of sports is there's that that leadership issue, that confidence issue about my way or the highway. There are a lot of people who, you know, it's got to be the way I do it. Well, I found that successful coaches, they put assistance, what they put assistance around them who they, they tr- trust and they respect and they work with these people and they ask them for their opinion. So we're going to get into these topics today. What makes a successful leader? How do you do it? And I said, our guest is going to be Mark Greenberg coming up after our break. He'll be with us throughout the rest of the show, talk about his philosophy and what he does. And, you know, this is an issue, I think, we we look at sports and you look at success and failure. The teams that succeed have good leadership. They have good preparation. Their focus is there. They've got the right attitude and the confidence is built. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports, and we get into interviews and discussions on this show about all these types of topics, about success, failure, what it takes to win, how to deal with losing, what is successful leadership about, and what are the qualities of great leaders, how do they communicate effectively with their teams, whether it's in the corporate world or the sports world that goes across the board. And joining me today on the phone now is Mark Greenberg. He's the owner and founder of Elevated Leadership and he delivers training, coaching, and strategic planning to teams looking for a unique perspective on leadership, development, engagement, and motivation. Mark, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. How are you this morning? Great. Thanks for joining us. You're up in the Chicago area, correct? I am, but I'm sitting right now uh, with my feet in a nice pool by my parents' house in sunny Florida. It's a little bit warmer than it is in Chicago, which is kind of nice. Well, you're very fortunate to be down there. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm sure you'd rather be there than, than in Chicago this time of year. Listen, thank you for, for joining me today, and and uh, don't let your feet get too uh, full of, you know, stressed out with the, with the water on, on your feet there too much. Don't don't get too stressed about that. Um, <laughs> I'm jealous of that. Um Let's let's talk about your work, okay? Your your family's been in the day camp business, and I've you know I've looked mm-hmm. at your profile. Very interesting, um, very successful day camp in Chicago. So you've worked with your dad in that camp, and it's a it's a very prominent camp. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up getting into what you're doing now from that. Yeah, so my background is in education. I was a teacher and coach for twenty years in a private school in Chicago. 
And as I started to learn and teach, my, my focus is actually with middle school children, and there's probably no more difficult group of kids to build and to grow together than middle school boys. So I used to coach, you know, eighth grade boys, and what I found is that the social aspects of, of their playing, meaning the connection with each other, were as important as anything else that we did. So we'd start out base practices with a simple circular formation and just shake hands and acknowledge each other and eye contact. And each practice would end, and I would require them all to acknowledge each other and shake hands. And I started to learn more about what makes certain teams grow and what makes certain teams successful. And the commonality to me was really more about the, the adults or the authority figure, their ability to regulate their own emotions and bring people together. So, you know, today I think the sports world in general is so much, it's almost become social Darwinism where we look at our athletes, particularly our youth athletes, as, you know, cogs in the machine. And what I started to realize is the best way for me to build relationships with people is to learn more about them, even just to say their name. You know, it, when you give directions to a child, instead of saying, uh, come over here, it's, hey, Dr. Jacobs, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So uh, as I started to to do more with children, I, I still saw this connection between um, business and corporate America, and I just really parlayed what I was doing with children into helping companies and businesses grow because um, particularly today with millennial generations, you know, there's so much talk about how millennials are failing, and, and the reality is millennials are doing wonderful. Uh, I think it's the people that are managing them and if you look at baseball today, you know, your, your Alex Coras, your David Rosses, these are the managers now who are being seen as uh, excellence in coaching, really more because of their ability to connect with people. And that's kind of how we run our summer program. We employ about 100 people on a yearly basis. We really try to develop them through their emotional intelligence. Well, one of the things that I, I talk about on this show quite a bit is the importance of, of open and honest communication. And I always say a good communicator is a good listener. And good coaches do exactly what you're saying. They take the time to be personal with people. They don't talk at people. They talk with people. They're, they're good listeners. I mean, what do you think about that? No, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know. It's, children, I think, are the best way to do this. And the examples I would, I would give you is, you know, if my kids are jumping on the couch, which is, I think, the, great, the worst thing for a parent when your kid's just flying around having the best time, and we tell our kids, don't jump on the couch. And they constantly hear those negative affirmations, don't, can't, shouldn't, stop. And I think you're only creating that negative cycle. So I work with people helping them change the language. So instead of saying, don't jump on the couch, it's you and I both know the couch is for sitting. And just by changing the tenor and the tone of voice to people, the results that we get become incrementally better. And when we have our losing streaks, which every team goes through, every company struggles with, you know, their return on their investments at the end of the year. But as we have our struggles, if we don't have a healthy relationship with someone, the struggles then become manifest even more. And so a three-game losing streak is now a three-game losing streak. And then we start pointing fingers and blaming people. And I think, again, going back to the we teach our own children. You know, I have three kids, and my son's 14. And, you know, if, if I don't take the time to listen to him and really find out what he needs, the the conflict then just continues and just makes it really hard for everyone to move forward. You know, Mark, what I'm hearing you say, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, is the focus on, on being positive versus being negative. And, and negativity is everywhere. You know, the research has found it takes 12 positive statements to overcome one 
uh, one negative statement for the average person. And I always say athletes are a little bit superior to that mentally. It may take them seven or eight positive statements to overcome that one negative. But negativity is everywhere in our society. Last week on our show, I was talking about uh, athletes and they're being mistreated. There's a study by Dr. Gretchen Kerr at the University of Toronto. And before Dr. Kerr got on the show, we had a caller who called up, had an entire segment talking with this guy. He was saying the kids are, are weak and they're they're soft and they need to be tough. And I said, you're right. Kids need to toughen up. But there's a difference between being abusive towards kids and being, you know, uh, tough with kids. And so I think that a lot of people think that toughness means you have to be negative or derogatory towards them. Yeah. And I, I personally am curious what you think, Dr. Jacobs. I think it's a deficit in skills as to why people go that route. You see coaches yelling and screaming and, and you know, having kids run wind sprints back and forth. And to me, it's really a deficit in not having the ability to do the other things. So, of course, it's way easy for me to, to resort to things that I see are negative. You know, if I say to you, you know, don't look at the yellow wall, you're looking and thinking about the yellow wall. Exactly. Right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you say don't do this, then you're telling them to do that because you're telling them not to do it. Right. And, and I think setting the expectation, though, to me, really supersedes anything that we do. So I could be a very hard-line coach and be difficult and have high expectations, but if I can't set those ahead of time with children or even teams or a corporation, no one could ever meet my expectations. So, you know, the work that we do is focus more on, on adults and middle managers, really, because those are the ones, you know, your assistant coaches have a huge impact on sports teams. You know, everyone knows the manager. But let's be honest, who spends the majority of the time with a pitcher, and that's the pitching coach? So that mental acuity that we're talking about is, is really important as far as how we help people develop their skills. My guest this morning is Mark Greenberg. He works with people on leadership skills, communication skills, and, and, and what I'm hearing is having a positive perspective. And a fascinating interview, and we're going to continue this interview without the rest of the show. And Mark, I want to get into our next, next segment. I want to talk about failure. Okay, I, in my book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to One to Fun. And I want to talk to you about why failure is good, how to coach it the positive way. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me is Mark Greenberg this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And Hope you're enjoying our interview today. I'm talking with Mark Greenberg. He's the owner of Elevated Leadership, and he works with people on leadership, development, motivation, and he's kind enough to join us today sitting by the pool in Florida. Lucky you, Mark. <laughs> you know, well, I'll be on the golf course in an hour, Doctor. It's okay. Well, that's boy, that's even better. Anyway, um, we're not going to get into that. But, um, of course, we could talk about success and failure on the putting green, but we'll talk about that later. Here's, here's my question for you as we end our last segment i talked about f- failure okay 
Our, our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports, that I co-wrote with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery, USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone. Co- Pete coached over 10,000 kids, had eight Olympians, five Olympic gold medalists, and I had the privilege to work with most of them. Um, we talk so much in our book about the fact that communication is so important between parents, coaches, and athletes, but we get into a whole discussion about failure. And as I said earlier, our, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun because we feel that one of the things that we don't do, I think, effectively with kids enough today is teach them how to fail. It, it, and it's sort of like what you were saying earlier. You tell people don't or what you've done wrong instead of what you need to do right. So in other words, when a child strikes out, let's say, since you're into baseball, and they come to the bench, you don't say, why'd you strike out? You say, okay, let's talk about what you can do next time to do better, maybe make contact. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that, that, that way we talk? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I, I actually cannot wait until my kids are done playing Little League Baseball because my wife thinks I'm nuts because I literally take those big noise-canceling headphones during my kids' games because I cannot deal with it. think from parents. I think when a kid strikes out, I don't think you say anything to the kid. And the reason is no one feels worse about striking out than a child. And sometimes you could strike out, have a really good at bat, and sometimes you strike out with your bat on your shoulder. So the act of a strikeout is something that no kid wants to do. But as I would tell kids, whether you fly out to the right fielder or you go down with three strikes, the process of you, the, the approach that you take to hit the ball should should not waver and should not change at all. And when to redirect them, it's far better for me to help you recognize what you need to do to make the change and me tell you what you have to do to make the change. And that's all predicated on having a good relationship with you. If we have no relationship at all, and I don't really – I've never taken time to invest in who you are. I could be the greatest – you know, I could be Charlie Lau, who was, you know, I'm a Chicago guy, one of the best you know, hitting coaches of all time. Well, obviously, yes, and, and being in Kansas City, we know who he is because he basically helped oh, guy George Brett to turn into who he was. Right. And I think probably what made him better than any other hitting coach was obviously his baseball acumen. But, you know, the, the stuff that's not on the schedule, the time when we're just on the bus going to a game, or that's to me the time when you help a kid. It's, you know, I, I adore my wife, and, and I love her to death. And when, when we're having arguments, if I focus on all the things that are wrong with her, it's not going to actually help my relationship with her because – I want to focus on the million things she does well. So for the kid that strikes out, it's, yeah, you struck out twice today, but you know what? You advance the runner from second to third base. You hit the cutoff man. And, and so it's really acknowledging the things that, that you see and the things you can quantify. Giving kids empty accolades, hey, good job, doesn't mean anything to them. And I think it actually diminishes what they do. And, you know, baseball is the best sport that you're describing because there's so much inherent failure in baseball in general. Let me give you an example. Uh, I, I have been the Kansas City Royals sports team psychologist twice. I'm not now currently. Um, I was one of the first full-time sports psychologists in baseball in 1990 with the Royals and then worked again with them from 2008 through 2012. But an incident happened when I first started working with them in 2008, got hired at the All-Star break. And let me get your perspective on this. So I could not be in the dugout during games. I had to be underneath the dugout. But we had a guy who started the – all-star break after the all-star break the season after all-star break he went 0 for 9 but he had nine line drives right at people i mean he crushed the ball and after the ninth one 
He came back underneath the dugout, put his bat in the back rack and grabbed me and says, Doc, what is wrong with me? And I said, well, I don't really know you yet. I don't know what's wrong with you. He says, why can't I get a hit? I've hit the ball hard nine times in a row and they're out. So I said, well, let me ask you a question. I know you're frustrated. You want to get a hit. You're trying to get on base. But were those quality of bats? And he sort of looked at me and goes, well, well yeah, yeah. And our hitting coach at the time, a guy named Mike Barnett, was awesome. And Mike, Mike was totally on board with this. And I said, look, keep hitting the ball hard. It's going to fall out. I said, you never know. Next to bat, you may get a double. Well, first pitch, next to bat, double off the wall. He then goes 11 for 13 after wow. that. And we then went on our first road trip a few days later to Chicago, by the way. And I came in the, to the locker room, and he pulls me aside and says, listen, i got, I got to talk to you. He goes, ever since we've been talking, and we, we started talking every day. He goes, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 11 for 13 since I started talking to you. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I'm not into stats, but... I'm aware of what's going on here. You're 11 for 13. You were 0 for 9. Well, that, that makes you 11 for 22. That's batting 500. He says, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I said, that's not what's important. Of those 22 at-bats, how many of them were, were not quality at-bats? And he looked at me and says, well, just one of those 11 for 13, I popped it up. The other one was a line drive out. I said, okay, so you had 21 out of 22 line drives. He goes, yeah. I said, keep doing that. That's all I have to focus on is that positive thing rather than a negative. What, what's, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, in, in the book that I wrote, Elevated Leadership, I talk a lot about performance versus outcome. And the outcome is we would love to get on base and get a hit. But the reality is sometimes you focus more on the performance. And, you know, professional sports and youth sports, we obviously, it's apples and oranges because they get paid money to, to win. I mean, that's, that's their objective. But I still think that the philosophy should not change. And so if I have a kid who who has a great game, but for playing against bad competition, to me, the be as great as if he, you know, went one for four against a higher-level team. And I think parents focus way too much of their time on the outcome of the game. And this isn't even to me about winning versus losing. You know, if my kid plays travel baseball and they lose, you know, 16-4, to four, but they played against a really good team, parents could be disappointed. But if they played against a weak team, you know, sisters of, of the of the elderly, and they destroy them, and the kid goes four for four, the, the ride home becomes different. And my, my whole point is that the, the way that we approach it should not change, regardless of performance, regardless of the outcome. It should literally be the same conversation. So, you know, we talked earlier about the kid that strikes out. The, the way that we approach him should be the exact same. We, we shouldn't change the way that we treat them because they struck out or they just hit a three-run homer because – uh, the, the game, there's too many failures in that game, and if, if I pump a kid up too much, the next time they come at bat, they strike out, then all of a sudden their their attitude changes. So it's really keeping it a very very level playing field for them. So Mark, let me you know one of the things that I, that I try to tell people, and, and along the lines of what you just said, it's it's I have a philosophy called FO versus four, FOE versus FOR. Focus on effort or execution mm-hmm. instead of focusing on results, and the key thing is, it doesn't matter what we do in life, we're going to fail. Failure is inevitable at everything we do. And so the key thing is, how do you overcome that? And I think for kids, teaching them that when you fail, it's okay. It's part of what you're doing. You're going, you're, you don't get 100% of everything at school. You don't get a hit every time you're, you're, you're at bat. You don't you know, sink every putt all the time. You're going to miss. But you know, not that you want to, but that it's part of the philosophy. It's part of the, the situation. And I think that's the key thing we have to get kids to learn more than anything else is it fit. Not that, not that you want to fail, but you have to understand it. You agree with that? 
Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And, you know, I work a lot with companies on customer service, and the focus is generally more on how to recover from a bad experience as opposed to how to provide great experience because I think technically most people are very proficient at their job. They, they really do. I mean, when you look at why people lose their jobs, it's rarely because of a lack of technical skill. It usually has to do more with what's between the ears. And when you have a negative experience, it's if a leader, the CEO, whomever, whoever is at, at the helm, if they focus on recovery and how we actually bounce back from these things, as part of the, of the learning process, everyone who is on their team has a way better chance to bounce back when those things do hit them. Exactly. I'm talking to Mark Greenberg. He's the owner of Elevated Leadership this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. 
and you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today I'm having a fascinating interview. I'm talking with Mark Greenberg, and we're talking about leadership. And, you know, Mark, when we, when we get into the whole topic of leadership and success and failure, I always talk about the, the importance of self-confidence and, and why confidence is the foundation of everything what, what, what's your opinion about confidence how do we build it up and how do we destroy it that's a great question destroying it's i think the easy part and i feel that anyone anyone can tear someone down but i i think for me to get someone to become the, their best self or the best version of their self the the ideas and the ways that they're going to make changes have to be triggered from within them and, and so just giving a point to illustrate it uh, if I have a, a a client that I'm working with, I have a client right now. They're a millennial. They're 20, you know, 27, 28 years old, and they're just really struggling with interactions with people, uh, emotional intelligence, self-regulation, empathy. And by me telling them what I think they should do is probably the worst way for me to have them gain their confidence. Um, it sounds very judgmental. It's very preachy. It's very luxury, and it really, in the long term, has no positive gain. But the minute I start using the language, and a lot of our clients that we work with, we literally break down the language. And just to give you an example, you know, I use the word notice a lot. So if I say to a child or an employee, hey, I notice you're having a really hard time, you know, running from first to third on, on the ball hit the right field, what's going on? And by me just asking a question and allowing the other person and giving them the space that's okay to share with me what their struggle is, I will immediately break down a barrier. And once I can break down that barrier, the chances of that person seeing it for themselves become exponentially higher. It's the times when I see someone struggle and I'm pointing out their struggles because no one is more aware of, of a struggle than the kid who just went 0 for 4 in a baseball game. Let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question here. So isn't it important first and foremost to identify what the barrier is? It is to identify what the barrier is. I also think it's in the same vein. It's equally as important, though, to have that connection with that person. And by by me, if I know what the barrier is, it's great. But if I can convince the other person as to why this is the barrier for them, the chances of them breaking through become higher. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, there was a a book that I that I reference a lot in my my office called The Path to Power, and part of the book it, it it's by a personal trainer and he talks about his path to success and in this in this journey he's a individual who got injured in Vietnam came back here was in a hospital in Chicago laid up for a while and then was challenged to get out of the hospital and he went on to become a very successful taekwondo world champion actually and he talks about walking down the street he separates the book into five cha- summary in five chapters i walk down the street i fall in a hole and then basically he goes to where the fifth chapter is. I walk down the street, a different street, okay, to where acknowledging, you know, I walk in the, down the street, fall in the hole, don't know how to get out, walk down the street, fall in the hole, 
there's a rope, but I don't know how to climb it, walk down the street, you know, start to climb, but I fall. It's just gradually identifying what's going on. And I think that's part of what you, what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, I think the, the identifying piece is, is very important, but it's, it's long-term success. It's, it's not just me trying to solve your problem, helping you solve your problem for today. It's actually helping you solve your problem for tomorrow. So, you know, think about basketball. When someone's struggling with their jump shot, a coach can say, hey, keep your elbow in, bend your knees, follow through. But until it actually triggers for that person, so then you start asking the athlete, hey, notice that in the fourth quarter when you're getting tired, your, your legs are a little heavy. What do you think? Now, he's a way to elevate your jump shot. The answer is going to be bend my knees, focus through. And by, by, by letting someone else verbalize the very thing that they need, you're, you're just, you have a far greater chance to do that. And I think that really is the essence of coaching, you know, um, because the, the opposite of that to me is just being very authoritative. And, again, going back to who, who's coaching professional sports today, it's your David Ross, it's your, it's your Alex Cora, it's the guy from, uh, from New York. Uh, who's, what's his name again? The Yankees? Brett Boone. Boone. Yeah, Brett Boone. But it's, it's not your Lou Pinellas anymore. It's not the guys who are kicking dirt. Aaron, Aaron Boone. Excuse me. Brett Boone's his brother. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron yeah, Boone. Sorry. Yeah. So, but those to me are who your coaches will be because they have the ability to push through and let an athlete see the things that maybe they, you know, in, in my work, I call them blind spots, things you just can't see for yourself that I can help, you know, we help people point things out. All right, let me ask you three definitions. What's your definition of winning? What's your definition of losing? And what's your definition of self-confidence? Oh, that's a great question, Dr. Jacobs. My, my definition of, of winning, wow. Can I have a second to think about that one? That's a good one. My definition of winning to me is, is more of an attitude, you know, because the actual, as I said earlier, the outcome of the game is, is important, yes. But it's the way that I perform. Um, you know, a winning attitude to me can be an 0-15 Little League team that has the best sportsmanship, and they're having the best time of their life, and so that's, that's to me winning. What were the other two, Dr. Jacobs? Losing and then self-confidence. Yeah, l- losing to me, again, I think it's more of an attitude. I think it's, it's trying to have a paradigm shift as to the, what we see, and self-confidence is, is a really simple belief system in what we believe in, and I think it really starts with having morals, and ethics, and a certain core value system that you for a belief system. So, if you have all those things in place, then losing becomes a much easier burden to take on, and winning becomes that much more enjoyable. Okay, in your work, I, I, I like what you're saying there. It fits in with with what I believe. When when you're working with a company or with a group of people, how do you coach effective leadership? What what do you tell people the qualities of an effective leader are? The, the hardest challenge I have in my business today is trying to convince, well, it's probably similar to that in, in, a, in a therapeutic setting, is trying to have someone recognize that, that they're hiring me not because they're having a hard time and they're struggling. They're actually hiring me because of their ability to think, be a forward thinker, and to recognize that I want to get better at something. The only way that I ever work with companies is, is when they're interested in making changes, and usually it's... The employees are the easiest, easiest, easiest people to change. It's typically a middle manager. You know, I, I get into a lot with cross-generational workforces, baby boomers, Gen Xs, millennials, all kind of vying for supremacy. So the, the way to really change a culture is to have the CEO or the leader say, hey, we're doing really well here, but we want to anticipate what's around the corner. only way to, to take a deep dive and take a look at what we're all doing 
and what we can do to continue to push the envelope for innovation and making sure that we're all moving forward. I think that's great. I think that's great, and it fits in the philosophy of what I talk about. Now, before we wrap things up, I want to go to a comment you made earlier in the show, which I, I, I want to get back to you with. You said when you're sitting at these youth sport Little League games, you like to put on just wear your headphones. Okay, uh, and I'm assuming you're saying that because you fill in the blank. Uh, I I need to. I am an outlier when it comes to youth sports. My my idea of of healthy youth sports and healthy competition is probably very different than the average person. If it were up to me, Doctor Jacobs, every parent at a youth sporting contest should keep their mouth shut. They should not say one word at all. They want to clap. That's perfectly fine. Uh, umpiring. Coaching, telling their kids, um, because if you think about it, the percentage of kids that we have going to play minor league baseball is probably less than one percent. And so, when I'm at my eight-year-old daughter's early game, and I just want to focus on being mindful and watching her, when I get the, the noise from other parents doing things to me that I just I think are almost detrimental to kids, uh, that's my, my my wife thinks I'm crazy too. She laughs at me every time that I do this. Well, here here's why I said that. I've talked about it many times on this show. I always say, first of all, everybody should buy our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and After Three Sports, because we talk about this. But second, I always tell coaches to bring a bag of Tootsie Pops to the game, and before the game, hand it to the parents and say, suck on these. And I think that will take uh-huh. care of that problem. Then you don't have to wear headphones, Mark. <laughs> That's the way I like yeah, to look and, at it. No, and I, and I think kids' performance would actually go up. I don't think parents realize. But not only that, the lessons you're teaching kids about uh, coaching and adult figures and role you're, you're only just making it worse for your child. And in middle school, nine times out of ten, the middle school kid is embarrassed by their parent who's yelling, and they don't even they don't even want to see it. But I've I've seen you're right. too many things in my too you're many right. things in my career um, that are not needed in youth sports. Okay, real quick, Mark, how can people reach you? They want to get sure. I'm a, uh, you can reach me uh, on LinkedIn, Mark Greenberg. You can also email me at mark at elevatedleader.com. And my book is available on Amazon. It's entitled Elevated Leadership, and it's all about leadership using sabermetrics to fuel social-emotional growth. Listen, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. Great interview, and we'll talk again. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure, Doctor. Have a nice time. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You can reach me at winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Call me at 816-561-5556. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 